we started uh, a little mini-series called Give Attention To. And uh, we talked about last week giving attention, and this was for Christians, to God working in you. And uh, we talked about a number of things about giving attention to God's abilities and things that he does in a believer. It's different than a lost person. You know, we can't evaluate the world and think they're like us. Are you with me? They even say that, uh, you know, in political things, you know, in dealing with other countries. Don't think that other countries will treat us the way we treat them. Are you with me? Because, you know, we can be a forgiving country and we can go, okay, we forgive you, we let it go. But other countries are not always forgiving. And uh, I had a friend who grew up in an Asian country and he said, we were foolish to go to war with this country because we did. He said, because they had a war that lasted, I think he said, like 700 years and it was an infighting war. He said, they're just bitter people and unforgiving. So they'll just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. We need to understand, like that way, in the political side, you know, that we can't deal with countries like the way we see things. We need to realize as Christians, we, we, don't, we can't expect certain things out of lost people that we should expect from ourselves. Are you with me? And so we looked at the fact that God works in every believer internally last week. And we went into detail and we recognized this statement that in life, what we give attention to, you know, our focus, our, our just whatever it is, uh, develops and grows. And so we recognized that that's saying a bunch and that works on the positive and the negative side. But when it comes to believers, God shows us how to do this on the positive so good things can develop in your life. So to me, this is huge. This means as the world gets worse, things don't have to get worse for us. Meaning divine life, divine ability. It's it's interesting, Jesus taught about the end times, and then he made this statement. He said, when you start to see these, you're observing, and we're talking about what you give your attention to will develop in your life. He said, when you see these things coming to pass, he said, don't focus on them. He said, lift up your eyes and look, get your attention on me, because your redemption is drawing near. Because if you look at them, it's great to know them, you know, if you're driving, you don't want to drive with your eyes closed. You, you could pass your destination, you know what I mean, or end up in a ditch. But you want to go, okay, here's where we're at. We've got 10 miles, you know, we're going to be able to make it. We got enough gas. We don't have to stop halfway there or whatever. You know what I mean? That's bad illustration, 10 miles. But even still, you don't want to run out of gas, whatever it is. So if you have signs that are saying, here's where it is, and some of the signs are not real positive. You know, wars, rumors of wars, people acting hostile. But he said, in seeing all these things, he said, you need to lift up your eyes and get your attention on the Lord. Keep your focus there. Embrace that. He said the people who embrace the, all the stuff that's coming on the world and put their focus on it, so it's coming. But as we go forward, you don't have to be more afraid at all. You don't have to be downtrodden. The further we go, if this pandemic lasts till the second coming of the Lord, then next week and every month after, we should just be getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Will the world get weaker and weaker? Yeah, if they give their attention to the wrong thing. Are you with me? And so we talked about this, and we recognize that the world demands of people to pay attention to things that God says, don't pay attention to that. Are you with me? Something that's real interesting to me that the world says pay attention to, that when, when I grew up, whether you were a Christian or not, gossip was bad. Okay, you guys must all be real young and didn't know that. But when we were young, uh, we knew you don't talk about people. You don't gossip about people. Even if it's true, you just don't do that. 
And, and then there would be what they called the gossip magazines, you know. And those were, you know, you, you could glance at them, but the only, uh, no offense, only the weirdo people bought those. Or people who were all into, you know, who's so-and-so marrying? And who's so-and-so with? And, and now that's just totally common. And, and people, you know, it's just changing. And so they invite, the world invites us to look at things and focus on things God says are not healthy for us. Are you with me? Now, we can't just walk around with our eyes closed, but, and we're going to see some of these things, you know, if you're a Christian, you go to the grocery store, those magazines are still there. And sometimes they're quite hilarious to watch, you know, read. Some of them are way out, well... I guess some people don't think they're way out there. I think some of them are way out there. But you can't close your eyes and then be banging into everything. And you're like, I'm a Christian, I can't look at that. They're going to think you're weird. That's not what he's saying. He's saying don't look at them and start embracing them and focusing on them. And so, because why? It, it, it draws you a certain direction. As a matter of fact, there's an interesting verse in Titus in the first chapter and the 14th verse and uh, the writer there told uh, this young minister, he said, listen, he said, be careful not to give your attention to uh, people who are telling fables and different things. And he talks about how they are led away from the truth and they're talking about it. Well, if people are led away from the truth and we're giving our attention to those people, what are they speaking that's moving them? We need to be careful, is what I'm saying, what we give attention to. So, 1 Timothy 4, verse uh, 15. Now, we didn't read this verse, but it really is where we got the title from, Give Attention To. Uh, right here, and I'm not even going to read the New King James Version, but it says that writing, he said, give attention to these things. That means... Don't just, you know, just look at them a little bit. Just give your full attention. Really embrace these things. And he said, if you do this, he said, your progress, your development, your fruitfulness, the good things of God are going to become seen by all people. It will be evident that your life is being transformed by God's ability if you will give your attention to these things. So no matter where you're at, uh, you can change your altitude, so to speak. You know, in an airplane, if, if uh, it's going down, you pull back and, and you change and you change the pitch of the plane, and that doesn't mean the plane is just going up, but now that the attention or the nose is starting to change, the plane will follow. Are you with me? Like a boat, you turn the rudder. That doesn't mean the boat is now going the way you want, but once you turn the rudder, it's starting to go that way. Once the believer gets their attention and their focus on the right thing, that will be the direction they go. So what we need to do as believers is not be focused on the negative or on the wrong, but on the truth of what's right, that you are new, that you do have life, that God is for you, and on and on, that healing belongs to you, and so on. These are huge. And so I'm going to read this 1 Timothy 4.15 from a couple of different translations. I'm going to read from the Berean Study Bible. It says, be diligent in these matters. Now, the matters were doing ministry, reading the Bible, uh, paying attention to the giftings that are inside of you from God. But he said, be diligent in these matters and absorbed in them. Be a sponge. Be, be careful uh, what you're put into because you'll soak it up. So he said, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. So these are internal things we do that if we just do them and really are diligent about it and really focused on this, he said, progress will start to appear. Whoa. 
they're changing. There's something different. You know, we used to joke around with people, you know, if they were like at work and they were kind of getting a little worked up, we'd go, you're different. You're, you've changed. They're going, no, I haven't. And people would do that just to joke around with them. But here's the thing. There is real change. God change. Divine life change. And he said, if we would be diligent in these matters and absorbed in them, we would begin to transform. The Berean literal Bible said, ponder these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. And when I talk about this today, we're going to be talking about being absorbed in the truth of God's Word. And how that there is such power in God's Word, and such ability in God's Word, it literally can produce phenomenal things in your life. I mean, wild stuff. But just like uh, Noah's Ark, everybody knows about Noah's Ark? Not the one I'm thinking about. The one that's up at the North Pole, I believe it is. That big concrete vault that, that they call it Noah's Ark, and it's a place where they have all the seeds of the world in mass, all of them or as many as they think they have all of them. And what it's for is if something catastrophic happens in the earth uh, and all the plant life dies and everything dies, you know, somebody who knows about this can go up there, get the seeds, put them back in the ground, and have everything back growing on the earth. There's tremendous power in those seeds. They know they can bring life back to the earth through seeds. And Jesus said, the Bible is a seed for any need, you could say, of life. Uh, they will produce phenomenal things, the Bible and Bible verses. And so it's interesting, uh, turn to Mark, the fourth chapter, how this works. And we're talking about give attention so that these things can develop. What we give attention to in our lives and are real diligent about it will develop. Are you with me? Uh, over the years, and I've been around people, and I've watched people who are real diligent, and you just went, man, they are on fire for God. And then you notice that something happened, and they weren't on fire like they once were. It doesn't mean eternal life left, but something has occurred. We're going to talk about that today, how to keep ourselves just producing good things, and if we're not, how to get there. Are you with me? And we're going to see some real practical things right here, and it goes really to what we embrace or give our attention to. Mark the fourth chapter in the 14th verse. The sower sows the word. You, we would say it like this, the person who plants plant seeds, but in this case, they plant the Bible. And he said, and these are the ones, or the seeds of the Word of God. Uh, and he's explaining how this works, and how that planting and growth in a person happens. He said, these are the ones by the wayside, where... The word is sown or planted. Uh, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word sown in their heart. Now, I'm not going to get into great detail about this, but this can be really a picture of somebody who just doesn't believe the word of God is sown and they're just out there living their own life and the devil just says, that's a bunch of junk. And they go, yeah, that's a bunch of junk and they let it go. It's stolen. But we're going to look at these and find some real interesting things that can help us individually see the Word of God be profound in our lives. If we want answers, real answers to prayer. If we really want to see the Word work for us, the answers are right here in front of us. And it really comes down to our focus or what we give attention to and what we embrace. Notice this in verse 16. These likewise, and he's going through describing uh, different uh, 
places the Word of God has sown and different challenges that come. These likewise are the ones sown, or the truth of the Word, that is sown on stony ground. Who, when they hear the Word immediately they receive it with gladness. So he's, and don't get caught, get caught up in the terms he's using, stony ground, uh, weeds, and things like that. We're going to kind of tear it away and just look at the simple thing. Basically he's saying, listen, these people heard the word of God. And all these people we're about to read about really heard the word of God and received it with gladness. They heard it one day, maybe at church. One day when they were reading, and they were like, "Woo! that is it. This is it. This is where it's happening. My life is changed forever. I'll never be the same. And so they received it with gladness. But it says they have no root in themselves, and so only endure for a time. Now he's going to describe what comes to get the people's attention off of the Word and to get them to give up from embracing and holding on to it. It says, but afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake or the seed, not because of you necessarily, but because of what gets in you, some attacks will happen. It says immediately they stumble or they let go of the word. So when we talk about persecution, uh, the contemporary Bible talks about, he said, but he talks about not lasting long. As soon as life gets hard uh, or the message gets them in trouble... You know, sometimes when uh, things get hard in life and pressures come in life, people quit focusing on the Word and they start looking at the troubles. Are you with me? They get overly focusing on the trouble. They start embracing the trouble, the persecutions. They go, I don't like that people make fun of me. Uh, I'm cool. They think I'm not cool for being a Bible person. Well, do I want the results of the Word? And the answer is deep down, we all do. And maybe not even deep down, but just down inside, we all do if we're saved. And so we need to recognize these pressures come from different people uh, to back away and what they're really wanting you to do and, and give up on that word. Back away from that. But see, what happens is when people uh, get their focus on the wrong thing, then the word doesn't bring forth the fruit. Are you with me? And that's what we want. So we'll keep reading. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns, verse 18. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Isn't it interesting? He talks about persecution or hard times. He talks about pressures, and it comes for the Word. Now he says these two things happen. He said worry, worry, cares is the word worry. Why would he address worry or fears as something you need to be careful of or fears? Isn't it interesting that there are a lot of people who fear today? They fear the germs. They've been being trained in this. Or they're worrying about finances. They worry about all different kinds of things. What does worry mean? It literally means to embrace the problem. It literally means to just be really downburdened or pushed upon by life circumstances like this is going to win. Are you with me? This is going to prevail. This has power. And here's the thing. 
you don't always get to know who's worrying by outward observation. Sometimes it shows up on people. But what he's saying here is, if you want the word to really bring results, you cannot fear and you cannot live in worry. We have a great example of a person who worried and feared, who had the word of God given to him and said, come walk on the water. And he started embracing the storm and accepting the fear instead of accepting and holding fast and focusing on what God said. While he focused on what God said, there was a miracle happening. He was walking on top of the water. And worry literally means to divide the mind. Or you could say this, uh, your focus gets off. Your focus gets off. And it's interesting, he, he says, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. You know, you can get too money-minded and get your focus on money and it choked the Word of God. But we do know by reading Scripture, Jesus told us, don't worry about money in Matthew 6. But He did say, realize this, embrace the fact that God is for you, cares for you, will get it to you, but you have to keep your attention on Him. Are you with me? Why would He say such a thing? He said, it will make the Word of God work for you. It will produce peace in you, and then it will produce results in your life. Many people uh, have been trained, you know, growing up, maybe a lot of us have, to worry. And, you know, and if you don't worry, you don't care. You know what I mean? Anybody ever heard that? You just don't care if you don't worry. In all reality, we need to probably recognize worry is not healthy. It's not healthy for your faith. It actually, it says it will choke the Word of God, and what would be being produced uh, gets cut off. And so when he said deceitfulness of riches, he's not against money. He's just saying your focus cannot be there. You need to keep the Lord first in your life. You need to embrace Him and put money below Him. And He said, then money will come. But it's interesting, He said, and the desires for other things. One thing that we'll notice about all of this stuff, whether it's persecution, trouble, uh, lust for money, or deceitful riches, and and cares or worries, and now desires, there is a common factor here that I believe covers so many areas in our life, is this, distractions. Distractions. I've seen good people on fire for the Lord, and, uh, you know, they got saved, and I know one person, they, they used to bowl and tournament bowl, and that's all they did and all they did. And uh, they gave their life to the Lord. The Lord dealt with them, and they quit bowling to that degree. After a while, some people just kept pushing on him, you, you know, and pushing, you know, to bowl. And all of a sudden, he went back to bowling, and all of a sudden, he started bowling. He got his mind back on bowling, and he got his mind off the Lord. His joy disappeared. The results in his prayer life disappeared. And then he disappeared. Why? the desires for other things. Now, we're not teaching you here. You can have no fun. That's what we're saying. As a Christian, if there's one thing you can't do is have fun. Because you're a Christian. And everybody should know that Christians should not enjoy things. Everything should be drab that you wear drab what you drive, drab in the house you live in, just don't get good blinds, just hang a gunny sack on your windows. Or aluminum foil to reflect the light, you know. No, we know better than that. But there is an element of keeping priorities right. I believe the Lord challenges all people in that area. 
all through your life because we're driving and just like, you know, you're on a journey with God or you're in a journey with a car, on a car, no matter how straight the road is. You know, anybody ever done this before? You get on a straight road and then you just kind of lock your arms and go, how long can I do this? Nobody's ever done that? Oh yeah, you have. Be honest. We're in church. I mean, we're Christians. That's what I mean. And uh, I've done it before and thought, man, and you can't go very far. And it just starts going one way. So then, you know, anybody do that? And then, okay, I'll try it this way. And you just can't, it takes adjustments. Depending on who's driving, it may take more adjustments. But God will try to help us navigate life. And he said these things, so he'll deal with us out of the word. But he'll also deal with us through his spirit. Why? He wants you to live in the abundant life. And so the Bible said he gives us richly all things to enjoy, but they have to be in the right order. And so for that person who knew, don't go bowling. Somebody else could go bowling and it's no big thing. Are you with me? So I can't look at it and go, well, how come she gets to bowl, Lord, and I don't? Well, I'm the one with the issue with it. Until I get that taken care of, I need to pay attention to them. Well, how come they get to go to a movie once a week and I don't get to? Or, you know, whatever. And they might go, well, we'd give up a movie. How come we can't do what he does? And I'm not trying to say it's like that, like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But I do know there are things we need to be careful of. We want the word to be fruitful. I've watched this over the years. I had a friend who grew up uh, making, uh, making stuff. How's that? He had hobbies. And uh, he got so into the hobby, but when he gave his life to the Lord, he started getting excited, and it kind of came into its own place. It wasn't a priority. Are you with me? And, uh, and so it kind of stayed there, but then all of a sudden he started giving more and more time and more and more time, and all of a sudden his zeal and drive for God uh, and just the zest for wanting to reach people and share and live the life and serve just started going away, and this other things started growing in his heart. Why? Because he started embracing something that he knew he shouldn't. But here's the thing about embracing other desires. They're desires. But it, it even says lust in some things. And lust, sometimes we think of lust and we think it's this one thing. Lust just literally means a forbidden desire. But it still could be a desire. You know, for somebody. I've known people who, you know, gave their life to the Lord and the Lord dealt with them, you know, quit golfing. Because they were like golf, 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 golf on the mind. And see, the, the word needs to get into a person's heart and it will begin to develop and grow and consume you until you look through the word and you act through the word and the life of the word works and the things start being produced in your life. But if other things get in there that start filling your heart to a place that shouldn't be, what it does is it chokes the word. What does it mean to choke the word? It doesn't like get it in a headlock. Like it's choking. No. They use this term even with plants and things like that, uh, where one plant will grow above another plant. And what will happen is it will choke the light. And you'll have to trim it back so the light gets on the other plant so it can grow. And it's interesting that these all have to do with how we give attention. And how that these things really are robbers. Worry is a robber. It's not your friend. Fear is a robber. It's not your friend. All it wants is your attention, whether it comes to pass or not. And it may never come to pass, but it'll want you to focus on it. And it's to, so that the Word wouldn't produce like it should. Notice verse 20. Uh, it says, But these are the ones who are sown, this is the Word of God, into good ground, those who hear the Word, accept it. All of them, you know, are accepting it. But things came to choke it. And I think all of us, 
you know, at some point have recognized areas we had to deal with. And when we did, man, it just started producing again. It's not that God's angry with you. It's not that God's mad at you. It's not that God's against you. It's just kind of how it works. You know, if you went to uh, some nursery to get some seeds and certain things like that, and, and if you just said, I, I think my backyard's mad at me. Really? Yeah, because it's, it's just, it's, it doesn't have what, you know, I put these seeds in, and, and, and it's not that your backyard's mad at you. Are you with me? And some people think, well, God's mad at me. No, God's not mad at you. This is just how it works. And, and so he was so caring, he, he put these things here so that we would know how it works, so that we would be careful of wrong desires, We'd be careful about overly focusing on different finance, financial things. He knows they're real. He said, you know, be careful about worry. Be careful about these things. Because they will try to get space so the Word can't do what it says. And the Word will do all that it says. Notice John 15, a familiar verse we, that maybe most people in here have heard, but it's so true in this context. When Jesus taught this parable, all he was basically saying is, stuff is going to come in your life, whether it's persecution from friends, maybe friends are going to come to try to get you to go their way, worries, money issues, different things are going to come. They're going to want your attention. They're going to want you to embrace it. And if you embrace it, it will cause the Word of God not to have its place like it should. And therefore, you won't produce uh, things in your life like you should. John 15, 7, a familiar verse. Uh, it says, if you abide in me, now, every Christian, when they're saved, we can read scriptures that we actually abide in the Lord. We're in Him. You're in Him when you get saved. You're put in Him. But notice He said, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, that kind of sounds like what Jesus was saying. When you hear the Word of God, it gets in you, but there are going to be some things that are going to want to challenge the place the Word has in your life. And he said, but if you abide in me and my word abides in you, 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 you is in there a lot. There's a lot of you's in there. Or if I'm reading it, it could be a lot of me's in there. If you're reading it, it would be a me for you. Or a you for me or something like that. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Okay. To me, that's a challenging verse then. That means the potential is phenomenal for every believer. You could ask whatever you ask. This is not a lie. This is not an exaggeration. This isn't to make you feel good till we come next week and we'll tell you something else. No, this is just flat out, if you will ask what you desire, you're going to get it. Well, this is challenging on a lot of levels. Because then if I don't have a real fruitful prayer life, it's right here. And what's cool is he said, this is what you need to do because in this earth, you're going to want, wouldn't it? you're going to want a lot of prayers answered. And it doesn't matter if they're just the easy or the hard ones. So he basically said, the Word has to have its dwelling place or its home in you. In you. you have, the Word you act on really is the Word that's dwelling in you. But he said, if it is there, you will get answers to whatever you want when you pray. But realize if you connect this to what Jesus was saying, he said there are some things that you need to be cautioned about because there will be things that will come so that the word doesn't stay there 
but something else gets there. Doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. It just means this is how it works. This is real simple. But in the day and age we live in, there can be challenges. You know, you hear the stories about people who lived in other countries and in persecution or different times, and they, they lived in a country that wasn't as blessed as the United States. And we are, even with all the junk going on. And they don't have the resources, don't have the things. Well, they don't have a lot of the temptations. Even if you got a desire for something else, it's not there to, to desire. But here, there's just a smorgasbord of stuff to do. Hobbies, and you name it. And, and you see people, and you'll hear this. Man, they get miracles over there. They get this over there. But there's certain things over there that just aren't there challenging them. But, does God want good things over there? Oh, yeah. And places that give themselves to God in time will just start being fruitful. That's really the root of the fruit of the goodness in our land. God blessed the land because of all the believers. But, what is a blessing, if we're not careful, can be a curse when it gets the wrong place. Are you with me? And so some people say, God's just judging our nation. He's taking this stuff away. No, He's not. No, no. If we put the right thing in the right place, fruit will come in your life. And here's the interesting thing. He said, you will ask what you desire. It will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What fruit was he talking about? He's talking the fruit of getting all your prayers answered. I mean, real deal, absolute, getting your prayers answered. So you would have to ask then, well then if the Word is the Word abiding, and if I can get the Word to abide in me, my prayer life is going to be revolutionized. God's going to be excited about it. God wants it. Are you with me? And he said it has to do with what I embrace and what I focus on. And I don't know about you, but even in my own life, if I've done some things, I remember when I was addicted to fishing. And I quit fishing because the Lord dealt with me. Now people laugh and say you're addicted to fishing. I fished every day and sometimes more than once a day. And it was on my mind. And I noticed, it. I still had a spiritual walk. But there were things that were affected and the Lord started dealing with me. You need to stop that. You need to stop that. But now I'm liking it. I'm addicted. So stopping wasn't like, all right, I'll quit. I was like, yeah, I'll quit. And then I did it. I'll quit. And I did it. And I'll quit. And I did it. And I thought, maybe I shouldn't leave my fishing pole in the trunk of my car. Because then at least it makes it another step to... To, you know, gives me time to decide and change this. And, and it was a struggle. But I remember when it started getting under control and it wasn't dominating me, my spiritual life began to blossom. And I remember I still had this strong desire and I know you're going to think, wow, this is pretty bad. So I would go to the lake without a fishing pole and I'd watch some people fish. That's pretty bad. He's a, a fishing stalker. What are you doing? And I still remember this. And I'm getting more and more tender now to the Lord. This is the truth. And, and uh, I'm getting more tender and more sensitive and I'm recognizing Him stronger and stronger. And I'm thinking, I know I can't fish, so I'm not going to. Hallelujah. So what are you getting out there? And he, I'm, I remember this guy. can remember where I was standing. And he had some extra poles. I mean, this is the real guy. You know, this is the fisher guy. This is like I used to be. You don't just bring one. You bring a couple. And, uh, and I remember he's fishing. He said, you seem to know a little bit about fishing. I'm, I used to be an addict. You know, I didn't want to be like that. Well, I know a couple of things. He's all, pick up one of my rods and go ahead. And I went, Okay. I did it like two casts, and I went, I'm done. 
I remember walking away and inside, I was like, yuck. I, because I knew it was a desire for something that was choking the Word of God. It wasn't a mental thing. Because during the day, I could talk myself into fishing. When I got quiet before the Lord, I knew, don't do that. And I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Are you with me? But I remember when it got under control and I wasn't doing it, that was one of the last. Now I fish today. I, I remember we'd do fishing trips in the church I was at, you know, because lived in Southern California, go out in the ocean once or twice during the summer and do an all-church trip, you know, go to San Diego, go get tuna and stuff. And I remember, you know, I'm an assistant pastor, and I remember the pastor like, well, you should go. You should support the thing. I'm like, I can't. He's like, you should. And I'm thinking, stop it. You know, don't talk. I'm, I'm doing better now because before I'd be like, well, Lord, I got to because the pastor told me I'm only an assistant pastor. And I'm like, no, no. And so, and I had to go down there and help him get everything ready to leave. So I'm like that little kid at the school bus stop and he wants to go to school and he's like, bye. You know, I say, I'll drive out of the parking lot. But I remember when I, when it didn't, wasn't an internal desire anymore. Now I can go fish. And I get tired of it. Back then, never got tired. But it so consumed me. But it took a long time to get to that place. Now, I'm not saying you have a problem with fishing. But I am saying, once that got taken care of, and I was reading the Word and putting it into its right place, uh, fruit started happening. What I had longed for, from a spiritual standpoint, not a natural standpoint, started happening. Everybody alive and well? So he said, if the word does abide in you, this is a challenge, but he said, you can have a phenomenal prayer life in this earth today. That's huge. Huge. But, but this has to do what you're embracing and what you're focusing. Let's close here in Romans, the fourth chapter. Romans, the fourth chapter. What are we giving our attention to? What are we embracing? What are we holding dear to ourselves? What, what maybe should I let go of to, so that I'm not embracing something that I know I shouldn't be embracing so that the Word of God can really get root in me and when the Word gets root in you, you'll act on it. Not, not just like, oh, I've got to do this because this is what it says you will just do it because it will be a part of you. It will be living in you. And that's when things really start happening. Romans 4, verse 17. And we'll see here this very idea of giving attention, embracing, focusing on certain things, and how it caused, this whole principle caused Abraham to get a miracle, to get an answer that would have been impossible otherwise. And things that are impossible, it's cool to say, everything that's impossible is going to be possible for you today and everything's changing. And that is true that they are possible, but I'll tell you what, you really can get answers and things really are possible, but there are principles to it. Are you with me? Friday, I think it was, at prayer, I mentioned the verse where a guy was seeking healing. He found out, so he went to uh, this prophet who had a healing ministry. News had spread. You can go to him. He'll pray for you. You can get healed. He's this wealthy guy, you know, got some means from this other country. He comes because his servant says, go to him. And so he goes and the prophet doesn't even come out to him while he's out there lined up in front of his house. You know, I'm making this story up. I'm not making it up, but lined up in front of his house, you know. I don't know exactly what it looked like. I don't know if they were in a group. I don't know if they were lined up, whatever. But they're outside of his house. And uh, the news comes to the prophet. The prophet has a servant who, who serves him and says, go out and tell him to do this. Well, this guy is bent out of shape that he doesn't come out and talk to him himself. Then he tells him, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you will be healed. And the guy gets upset. 
And he's all, you're telling me I got to do that? He said, we have clean rivers back where we're from. And he's telling me to go dip seven times in this muddy river. And the, the servant says something that's profound. He said, if he would ask you something hard or, you know, if he would have come out, you know, and waved his hands over you, you know, some people are looking for somebody to just wave their hands over them and it's all going to change. Try that when you're growing a garden. Just go wave your hands over it without planting seeds and pulling weeds. No, you're going to have to pull some weeds. You're going to have to plant some seeds. You're going to have to water them. But you'll get a harvest. And so he said, if he asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done it? He finally talks him into it, and he goes and dips once, twice. Still didn't see the results three, four times. But what's he doing? He has put the word in the right place. He's not looking at everything else. He's now doing it, and he gets cleansed of leprosy. We need to realize this, that even if this doesn't look like the thing that some people would want to do, this is really what we want to do to get results. Are you with me? I don't know about you. John 15, 7 is extremely challenging. Serious. You get all your prayers answered. There it is. And he tells you how to do it. Just flat out. All of them. It's whatever you desire. You get it in this position. You get the word in you. It will work every time. Period. So if it's not working where it comes just to me, not when I'm praying for others, then I just need to go right here and just go be honest with the Lord and go, you know what? And, and you can't just go, well, Lord, fix this. No, all the fixings are on my side. He'll deal with me, but if I do it, the answer is assured. And man, I can have a fruitful prayer life then. It, he's not discriminatory based on age, race, anything. All you have to do is be a human. All you have to do is be saved. You know what I mean? Or this is the way to get saved. Accepting the Lord. But you think about it. He, he basically tells us, if you can keep that word abiding in you, you will get it. Absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Sometimes people are trying to get the word in them, and they'll read some scriptures and then go watch two hours of TV. Oh, but I'm reading the promises. Be careful. Really inquire of the Lord. Is there something that's getting in there that is choking the word? I don't know about you. I think this is cool. I can get answers to every prayer. Let's close here. Romans 4, we'll begin reading in verse 17. This is a promise to Abraham. God had spoken to him and said, this miracle is yours. But he wasn't experiencing the miracle yet. And there was a time where he didn't, but there are some things in here that go right in line with what we've been reading. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. I will say this concerning the things that are written in the Bible. They'll tell you you are healed. They'll tell you you are blessed. They'll tell you you are loved. Not that you're going to be someday, but as a believer, you are now. And that's how he spoke to Abraham. It said, in the presence of God, in whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God knew that it didn't exist, and he said it existed. God said, you are the father, and he wasn't, and he couldn't have kids, and he said, you are now. That's the word that has now been put in Abraham's heart. And it says, he calls those things which do not exist. So it didn't exist that his wife could have a baby. It didn't exist that he could, but God said, it's so now. He had the word, it was sown into him. It says, who contrary to hope, or what he could experience, in hope from God he believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. And what was spoken was, you will have these descendants. Now verse 19. 
And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Now understand this. Other translations said he contemplated his body. He could see his body was not where it was, but he was not moved by his body. He was not moved by the things he saw. We live in a world where cares will come, worries will come. We just need to learn to not be moved by them. And when we're not moved by them and we just embrace the Word, and that's what Abraham did, he just continued to embrace the Word and he really got strong in faith and he, he didn't consider his body and go, well, it's not true. Even when he saw it didn't look true, he believed it was because he held on to the Word and it started to produce. And it said, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body even though it was already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God. That gets back to the seed. He didn't move his attention away from what God said. He kept embracing it. And he said he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, or through not believing it, but got stronger in his faith, and he glorified God, and then he received. Well, I will say this. In our own lives, if we go, you know what? I'm not getting the fruit I want. Every answer can be ours. We just have to look and go, am I really getting the facts of truth that are written in the Word in my heart and embracing them and not letting go of them under any circumstance? If I do that, if you do that, oh my, because there's huge potential in the Word. Everybody alive? Everybody well? I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't take long, and I would venture to say this, maybe God's been challenging you about, well, maybe do this or do this and make a small adjustment, and you've maybe thought, well, what's that got to do with me getting an answer? It's not because God's against that, it's what it does in our heart.